Welcome to the show and our today's guest is the CEO and co-founder of Global Skills Hub, a company designed to build custom tech talent pipelines for Canadian companies by outsourcing the world's best tech talents. And over the past three years, Global Skills Hub has successfully helped international senior tech talents bring their tech careers to Canada. So like the guest speaker who is we have right now, he drives the company's core mission, which is to unite people to solve life's greatest challenges challenges by leveraging his network to connect people that are ready and willing to help Canadian Canada's newcomers. And he is none other than Yusuf Khatib. How are you feeling today? I'm doing awesome, Hamid. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine as well. Like I'm feeling amazing to have you on the show. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah. I'm glad to be here with you. Yeah. So a bit of background from my end. So how we connected in the past was basically like I reached out to Yusuf sir and we and he actually mentored me he was my first mentor and yeah that that's how we met and yeah things are going really good from then so I think I you know I, I want to add to that but you know I think you reached out to me it would have been last year and uh you know at the time you had sent such a professional um cold LinkedIn uh, message to me introducing yourselves and I was so impressed by the message because you know I've had a background in uh, growth and sales and stuff for so long when I saw your message I was like well this is really well written and when I looked further and I figured out and I was like this is not written by someone who like you know who's you know 30 40 50 60 years old of experience and when we delved further I realized that you know you were just kind of starting out in your a career and you have these big ambitions and dreams and so i'm excited to do this with you um as well as hopefully um, uh, kind of watch you grow uh, uh, as you do more and more of this stuff uh, throughout the years yeah so obviously at first i want to thank you for like even being my mentor at the first thing so uh, at that time when you actually said like you want to be my mentor i didn't knew that there's something called mentorship like honestly i didn't know even the word mentor at that time uh so things have been pretty good since then. And so now let's come to the podcast now. Uh, so tell us about, so like, how did you reach the point you are right now? And tell us about the journey you went through. Um, so in, in terms of like becoming an entrepreneur or, or with our company here today? Uh, um, summarize the whole process. So like from where you started as a person to where you are at right now. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a long journey, but uh, um, you know, look, I've I've uh, I've always been interested in um, making an impact, and uh, you know, entrepreneurship is just it just I love it. It juices me. Um, I love building businesses. I love being a part of a business, and I love playing on a team. And uh, you know, I just you, know, you talked about our our core mission of being uniting people to solve life's greatest challenges when we sat down and kind of thought about that and I sat down and thought about that, I was like, look, there's all these challenges that people face and, and within, you know, the industries that I've been involved with, it's really just a question of bringing networks of people together, um, you know, who have expertise and then going out there and going from there. So um, I kind of started my journey off in entrepreneurship. Um, I was in uh, computer uh, networking. I was doing a diploma and uh, was really, really unhappy. And I would have graduated during the last uh, technology bubble that we, you know, we hear about in 2001, 2002. Um, so at that time I decided um, to get involved in a insurance uh, business opportunity. Uh, it was kind of a really interesting model hybrid uh, between a bit of a multi-level marketing uh, company as well as a, um, but a very powerful model which exists today inside of real estate and insurance. Um, and so we did that and quickly uh, learned a lot, was mentored by some great people. And I would go on to build, uh, spend the next 10 years recruiting and building uh, uh, agents to work in the life insurance and investment industry. So it was, I was able to do about 600 uh, people brought into the industry for that. Um, from there, you know, I was able to, uh, I decided to get involved in the global tech scene. Um, and so opportunities were, were coming up upon themselves and uh, ended up in Bangladesh as well. Uh, so we did my first startup in Bangladesh. 
Um, and then, you know, that was kind of really my entrance into there. And so back in 2017, I decided after I'd been traveling for a few years, living in various countries that I wanted to uh, come back to Canada. Uh, I had, you know, I had, had kids, I was married and I wanted to, you know, settle back here. And so, you know, I just landed in Canada for a conference with a very open mind, uh, looking for a business opportunity. And I um, sent out a bunch of uh, cold emails. Um, one of those cold emails would land on, um, you know, a person who's now become, you know, one of my good friends, mentors, uh, business partners, and first investors in Global Skills Hub. And so, what we've done uh, today, what Global Skills Hub uh, is, is we, you know, uh, saw this massive opportunity as the government was making a change inside of the uh, work permit uh, laws for tech workers. So if you were hired by a tech company, you could get your work permit processed inside of a two-week expedited fashion. It was going to be super simplified for the company, super simplified for the candidate. And, uh, you know, we both kind of saw that. We drew out a model and, you know, we thought about all the barriers that would happen. And one of the largest barriers at that time was going to be this whole concept of virtual recruitment and virtual onboarding and, you know, yeah. so everything that everyone's doing right now or forced to learn how to do right now because of what COVID has done um, is actually what we were talking to everyone back uh, about in 2017, 2018. And um, so throughout the last you know, couple of years, we, you know, we've uh, helped supply uh, tech talents of some of the uh, Canadian, uh, some of Canada's best and top tech companies. Uh, we worked with TWG, which was just acquired by Deloitte um, a little while ago, or partnered with Deloitte. Um, we worked with Loblaw Digital. We've worked with uh, FreshBooks. We've worked with Wave Financial, Palmerex. Uh, you know, the list goes on of these incredible, incredible companies. Uh, and as a result, we've been able to bring people to Canada. Uh, and see their lives uh, completely change. You know, I talk to a lot of our uh, people that we've brought to the country here all the time. And, uh, you know, there's buying houses, they're getting their permanent residencies, there's babies being born, uh, you know, and, and so on and so forth. So we've made this incredible impact kind of all the way while driving, you know, the, uh, uh, the while driving, you know, uh, initiatives uh, that further increase the diversity and inclusion of companies uh, within the tech space. Interesting, very interesting. So, like the first thing that came to my my mind when you mentioned that um, you started like this process on 2017, but at that time people were not actually thinking about recruiting internationally or like <coughs> like let's say virtually from other countries. But because of COVID, they have to. So, how did you like like manage people or like let's say convince people that this is a good way, like this is a better way to hire international talents and to attract more people. So what did you do to attract other businesses to attract, like let's say, hire people from outside of Canada? You know, um, when you're building a business and you're, especially if you're building a business, um, you know, in any vertical, but this is kind of one of the things that I learned uh, being around the tech industry um, is that you, look for challenges that, you know, companies or the customer is having, and then you co-build the solution with them. So it's not like, hey, we know exactly what to do. We're going to come to you and, and give you the solution. And all of a sudden, we're going to make a million bucks. You go in there and you look for, you know, people that can become your early adopters. And, you know, we've all talked about that adoption curve and so on. But you know, you go in there and we were very, very fortunate. We were extremely um, you know, blessed to, to have these types of partnerships right from the beginning. And so what would happen is we'd go in there and be like, okay, we want to do this. You know, what's the largest problem you have right now? The largest problem is you, uh, we are in one of the most competitive um, and scarce talent wars ever um, in history. And, you know, and that was the situation in Canada in 2017. And now it's the situation across the entire world in 2021. And so we said, like, how do we build, how do we do this? How do we fix the immigration? I sat down with immigration lawyers. I sat down with some of the top firms um, in this country and learned. Uh, we partnered with some of them. We worked with a lot of different, we learned every aspect of this by, hey, here's the problem. Here's how we fix it. Let's make sure we don't have this problem again. And, the, you know, we worked with our, we worked with our clients and we developed and figured out, 
you know, what's kind of that minimum viable product that, you know, they talk about. Um, and, you know, what does it take to get someone to, I'm a company, I don't have enough developers. Okay, how do I find the world's best top talent that want to work for me? And on the other side, you have people who are highly motivated to want to come to Canada, have incredible technical skills and communication skills. And how do we get them together in a way that's as simple as humanly possible? Um, and, you know, that's how we built a company. Okay. Yeah, very interesting. So you, you've mentioned a lot about partnering up. So let's say like a new company is emerging and like uh, it, for most of the companies, so getting the right partner or like let's say for legal support or any other process is hard, hard in context of one on one side meeting the people and on the other side actually in, like making them know that this is this, this this would be a good fit for us like we are a good match so how you did know, you yeah so i think a lot of times in the beginning people you know when you're trying to build a business and depending on what you're trying to build you need to go to your customers um that you think are going to be your customers and you know who are you're looking for the people that are having the greatest challenge that your solution can solve and you just open up the first part of this isn't to try to sell them something to try to make money or do any of that stuff the beginning part of the business is to find out information to listen you know um i'm in you know in, in my sales career in the past um you know I, i i was taught that you have two ears and you have one mouth So you got to listen twice as much as you talk, right? And so, you know, from that perspective that you go out there and you listen, okay, say, hey, and then you you kind of provide them, you know, a solution that works and say, okay, what if we did it this way? Would this work? And you kind of go back from there. But finding those first people is like, who's having the problem that you're, you know, you're, uh, that you think you can solve right now? You just got to open up conversations with them. Okay. So the thing is like, how do you open up conversation with the right people? So let's say I identified these are the people I'm I gonna target or like this would be right for from my end. So how should I approach them and open up the conversation? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think there's a, a you want to approach them with, you know, finding out either via like things like surveys or you're finding out information or you're providing them some sort of value. So if it's enough of a pain point, they're actually open to having a conversation with you. Um, and so that's what you want to do. Now, I think it also depends on the context of the business that you're in um, when you're trying to do that as well. So if you're trying to build something to solve a specific problem, it should be easy to find people that you're, you know, are, are having this challenge. If you're selling services, which is a whole different thing. If you're selling software development agency, or if you're selling like recruitment services and stuff like that, you need to then figure out that's a different thing. That's a, that's a, how do I go to market with those services and differentiate myself between everyone else, right? That versus I'm trying to build something, you know, we didn't know, um, we didn't know anything about this uh, industry except for the experiences we'd had with it. I'd had a massive recruitment background, Uh, you know, back in 2016, 2017, I couldn't tell you the difference between Ruby on Rails and uh, and uh, Python. And you know, I always joke around that Python, I thought, was a snake until I entered the, the tech industry. And, and so, you know, I'm having conversations with clients and I did not understand the diff of what a framework was. And so I'm reading and learning all the time. And I'm taking, and I finally found a course on all these terms. And I went and I took that course. Right. Just so I can understand, you know, uh, the things that we do. One of the, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a really funny story. We have a process and we've since gotten rid of it because we're so good at it now. But one of the processes we used to do was something called a calibration. And what the calibration was, was we used to come back with the, the profile and we would be like, hey, we're going to show you this profile. You tell me if there's any red flags as if this is in the way you're looking for or not. The reason I learned how to do that calibration was in the beginning, I had to have them tell me if this resume was way off or not, because I was learning how to match. Does, does that kind of make sense? So you're, yeah. you know, you're, you're learning as you go with all these things. Yeah. Learning is actually a very big part at the, especially at the beginning when. Learning is constant. 
Okay. I just got out of a meeting this morning where I was sitting there and I've introduced two very, you know, important, powerful parties in order to help solve a solution that they're there. And, and I don't know the intricacies of this, you know, solution that they're working on. I just know that it works based on, you know, other conversations and the major pain point, the 30,000 foot level pain point that it causes. And I'm sitting there writing furiously notes during the meeting of terms that I want to go and, you know, learn about afterwards, just so I can, you know, you know, take my knowledge in there. So learning is constant. That's, that's one of the most important things you can do. Okay. So this was actually the uh, question at the end as well. So, which was actually what's learning and, and like education to you, like that's, that, that's the question I always ask to the guests. So you already mentioned what this is. So like, let's, yeah, I think, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll add something to that. And this is, this is one thing I'm a big proponent of because I had this challenge in my life as well, is you need to learn how you learn, okay? Everyone has a way that they study and absorb information and so on and so forth. Sometimes we're boxed into thinking that if we, you need to like study and read and read and read and read and write notes or something, or we went through school and, but I think, you know, the day that I figured out how I learned something, you know, and it, and it requires me to read it and write it out and, and, you know, make some notes around it. The way I learn, that is the most important thing you can do right now, because then you just, it's easy for you to set up a system of learning for yourself. You set up your own schooling. Okay, interesting. So I'm not sure what your process of learning is. So for me, like, as I was starting out, like even like I didn't know anything like that's that's it, basically the truth. Now, for my perspective, so I need to learn a lot and I need to learn fast. Like I'm on my head. I was like, I need to learn all these things like and I have to make this in a very short time. So how can I do it? So like I cannot read <clears throat> books. The, the fact is like I uh, once uh, like I, I don't know, like it was, I guess, 16 to 2016 or seven or 16, maybe 17 or 18 at the time. So there was a book, uh, you can do it, or like, maybe you can do it, like that was a title. And I read, it was around 260, not 200, I guess uh, 200 pages. And I was able to read 60 pages and it took like a long time, a very long time. So I, I'm not used to reading that, reading any books. So, and right, and last year I have to learn a lot, like a, a, a lot of things, like from business side or finance side or economics. Let's say all these things, so I have to learn. So what can I do? So my power was to like I can learn a lot, but like I cannot read. So what can I do? I can listen. So what I did was like I downloaded the books. I that exactly this is what I do. I use Microsoft Edge to open the PDF. And this is completely allowed. So like see, the boy, the book is being read and like I'm listening to it. I'm like making notes. And that's how I'm not sure how many, like I think I read more than 50 or 60 books, like through like <clears throat> in in three, three, like I started read mainly learning on like November. November and all throughout the process, I stopped for one month in the middle. But in that process, I read three, four, six books. You can say like completed, like on various topic. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And you know, that's just opening up. Like, look, one thing is, um, you know, be be mindful of time because you said you know you're you're trying to do everything quickly and. You know, you got to also enjoy the journey that you're on. There's no, it's not like you're going to hit some success point and all of a sudden you're going to be like, woo, this is it. I'm, I've arrived, right? Like, it's going to be like, you're going to go through this journey throughout your life and there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs and there's going to be points where you're going to need to learn about something. So I know what I, you know, my suggestion to you or someone and, you know, is that align your learning with your goals. Okay. So your first and most important thing that you need to figure out is what are your goals? right? Sit down and figure those goals out, write them down in specificity, and then, you know, repeat them to yourselves, uh, you know, in a, in a, on a daily or weekly or monthly or quarterly basis. But all your learning should just be aligned to your goals, you know, of who you are and who you want to become and, and, uh, and, you know, what you, you know, the things that you, you want to have the imprint and the values that you want to live your life with and the movement that you want to have in terms of the impact 
on this world, what you're, you know, meant here to do all these great questions that you'll go through in your, you know, your life journey, but, you know, align them because it's also possible to read and acquire too much knowledge, not acquire too much knowledge, but like read too much for the sake of reading. And then you're not applying anything, you know? And so I had this, I had a friend of mine, um, his name was Jeff Levitan and he, you know, he was uh, from sh- uh, Chicago and um, he was just, he was a great, great gentleman. And, um, you know, he, he would, uh, I think I, uh, I, I'm not sure where he's uh, off to lately, but um, you know, he's in, in, in the financial industry, a very, very powerful uh, force there. And, you know, he always used to say, he used to take these like breaks from reading because what he was just getting to a point where he was just reading constantly listening. And he was just like, he wanted to get a little bit more intentional, on his reading. And I, and I, I remember having that conversation with him and, and it was, uh, it's, it served me well um, throughout my life. Okay. Taking, like it's about taking breaks in between learning. Yeah. 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 Taking breaks, uh, but uh, not so much to, to taking breaks to actually apply the learning. You know, it's one thing okay. to listen to 50 books in a year, but how do you know, what have you applied from what you're listening? Uh, and that's why, you know, it goes back to that comment of um, align this with your goals. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I think I was lucky uh, from my end. So I, I I did the exact same thing. Not I'm not sure if I did the whole thing. So there are a few things like I I wrote down the goals. Like I didn't wrote, but mentally wrote down the goals. So let's say um, I didn't. I was pivoting from one sector to another. You can see, and I need to learn more about branding. So and the main what was the goal to create a framework. So, this, so the frame, so create a framework so that I can use it as a reference point to help other companies. So I, the first thing that I did was like ask a lot of people what the problem was before actually reading anything. Right. And then identifying what the problem was, actually then actually creating the framework. What would the base would be like learning about a different topics related to branding or like marketing is also part of it all sales also are part of it so then learning it like and creating mainly for and the big that i take like from november i'm not sure in november i guess in 15 or november 5th or 6th i started reading like started it. so on 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 that month i did around like 20 i guess that for me that was a lot because I am not used to like learning anything. I learned, but not through books. And for on December, I almost said nothing. You can say, I focused mainly on creating the framework and like re- redoing it, then applying it, redoing it, then again redoing it. So what can be <clears throat> made better? Right. And learning new things based on that. So okay, now I have to framework. So now what I have to do. So the next thing I have to do, like get better at sales as well. Those, those sales is mainly like through learning through selling stuff, but like, well, I also can learn from other people who actually said, who are good at sales, right? So uh, I think in January, I didn't knew anyone that much. So I got the books of Grant Cardone, like the five books which he had, uh, like the like, I didn't finish the, the one which had, which was the book on just closing. I didn't, didn't finish that. The half the book remaining. I think that's the only book I didn't finish. So like, I learned that and we started applying on the on the business. So like, what can we what can I do? And mainly, I learned the question through that. Like the art of actually questioning people or like following up. Like I don't know anything about it. Like. Uh, I used to think, um, let's say, it is bad to like asking someone again and again, but it's also, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 so it's about for like, it's not, it's, you're following up about it. Like it's, it's, there is a difference. There's a big difference between someone who needs it or like who thinks when he doesn't need it. Yeah. I think there's that. definitely, there's definitely a, um, uh, there's an art to following up. Um, I think it's what's been throughout my career, which has really been um, an important part is that I, you know, learned how to follow up. Uh, and, you know, it's you know, following up is not about being annoying. 
which is what everyone thinks it's about you know your fault until you get like a no you know you're really just getting a not right now okay you know and so you're just following up and you're just keeping up because maybe that challenge will arrive you know all it is is that whatever you're offering right now they either don't see enough value in it or they don't need it um you know and so that's it and so you know, they used to say that you're, you know, human beings are motivated by either pain or pleasure, right? Like Anthony Robbins talks about that all the time. And he's like, so they either want to avoid pain or they want more pleasure in their life. And so they make decisions based on those things. So you got to follow up. Um, people are busier than they've ever been before. You know, I, I, I jump off of a call and there's 15 new emails uh, in my inbox. Uh, if I'm having a busy day, you know, where do you think, you know, I'm going to put my focus is on my priorities, and so, you know, for a while there were people saying, I'm bumping this back up to your inbox. I think I even used that a couple of times, but uh, it was true because that's actually what you were doing. And now everyone just uses it. And it's kind of annoying, but um, you know, like there's just this, there is this, you, you know, uh, these are all parts of the, uh, the business that you, you're going to need to learn stuff like that. The greatest education you can get is probably going to be in how to acquire, um, you know, a customer or relationship that you need. Uh, it's important. But, you know, one thing that you can look at is you also want to figure out through this process is what do you like to do? You know, what do you love to do? What are you great at? And it's important for you to get, you know, a 360 view of your business, but only to a point where you can be like, I'm going to bring in expertise. I'm going to bring in people that are smarter than me to take care of this portion and so on and so forth. And, you know, you get up to that point that you're, you're building it out. Yeah, okay. It's about like being an expertise on the table. Yeah, you don't have to be the expert in everything. But one topic, you have to add like one topic and that's good enough. Well, I don't know if it's one topic anymore. It's <laughs> good because we live in a world that where things change so fast, right? Um, so I think you need to be passionate about one area that you love to do. And maybe it's like some people love talking and building relationships and networking and doing all that stuff and marketing and podcasts and all that stuff, all parts of our life that we need to do at some point as well. Um, and then there's other people that would, you know, are, are just geniuses at other parts. Like, you know, I, I, you know, some people love looking at a spreadsheet and they look at it and they figure it out, uh, you know, and, and how that is such an important impact, whether that's the financial forecast and so on. Um, and other people like me are just like, show me the information, box it up, let's go, what's the action step we need to take, um, you know, and, and go from there. Okay. So here, a thing, a question that came to my mind was like, you mentioned that you have to see that uh, this is a, yeah, you have to, like, these are the action steps you have to take, basically. So what if you don't know anything? yet so like what's the action step you need to take so how, how can you plan plan that <laughs> um I, I, okay so um the reason I, yeah so like yeah. the reason i ask that there are two kind of people so like one type of people who say like i i can take action action and action and there's another set of people who say like i need uh, like uh i don't know what to do like you, you need give up me a plan like you give a plan or I can do it. Like that's the, the only way I can work is like, I, I need a plan or I can't do it. Yeah. So there's some people that, you know, they, they like uh, uncertainty, chaos, uh, they like ambiguity and they can work with that. And some people are very, uh, you know, I need a plan in front of me. So uh, I think it's, it's definitely a, you know, uh, it's definitely a mix of both. You know, there's that saying, uh, how does it go? It goes like uh, vision without action is a daydream but action without vision is a nightmare. Um, so, you know, I'll say that again. It says a vision without action is a daydream, but action without vision is a nightmare. And so, you know, you need to have a plan in place. Everyone needs to know which direction we're all rowing in, what, you know, where we headed. And you know, once that plan's in place, then you got to embrace that, along that way you're going to have a lot of uncertainty so you know there's a that's what startup life is all about i think you know there's a there's that saying right it's like one does not consent to losing sight of the shore 
uh, or no, so one does not consent to, uh, how is it? oh, one does not discover new shores without losing consent uh, of finding or visiting that. So I've totally massacred this quote. We need to find it. And at the end of the podcast, we're going to go look it up. But it's something on those like, like you, you, you lose sight of the shore when you're looking for a new shore, you know, and so that you're just in this ambiguity all the time. And uh, some of us are like that. Some of us thrive in that arena. You know, like I know that there's points in my life where I was like, I thrive when it's completely like, I'm okay with that. I can deal with that, you know? And now there's certain parts of my life and, you know, now I'm maturing and getting a bit, um, you know, uh, more responsible as they say. (laughs) So, you know, there's certain other parts of my life where I'm like, okay, wait, we got to make sure this is certain. You know, I got kids and I got, you know, stuff. so that we, we go through those balances and imbalances throughout our life. I get it. Okay. So we are moving, like, uh, let's pivot the topic because we are getting a very deep on like the education and learning side and we have to talk about our different topics as well. So the things I'm moving towards like, uh, like the employment basically. So how did COVID affected, so like before COVID, there was a process, people didn't know that, but people started to knew these things. So during COVID, how is the ecosystem of Canada has been affected, employment ecosystem on the tech ecosystem? And is the situation for candidates, is it better for them to work or move to Canada now? Or like, is it worse for them? Look, I can I can only speak um, to what I work with on a daily basis. Yeah. Okay, and I know that today we are in one of the most competitive and scarce tech talent um, situations in Canada that we've uh, that we've ever seen. Okay, and specifically for people that have like five, six, seven years of experience. And above, and have come from some sort of startup or scale up type of environment. Okay. Um, and everything, every shapes and sizes and colors and, and all those beautiful things that make us human. You know, we are, we are, we are open in Canada right now. We are looking. Okay. There has never been a better time um, to get hired by a Canadian company because the competitiveness that is available there in terms of. Um, you know, the companies that are really uh, taking this remote first uh, approach, um, you know, we've been working with is a program called remote to permanent. And what that means is you start off remotely, we process your immigration paperwork, borders are there, quarantines are happening, vaccines and all this stuff is happening. So you're working for a Canadian company and then boom, your immigration gets approved uh, and you land in Canada as a full-time and, you know, get your work permit and land a, as a full-time employee. So if you have great communication skills, um, you know, you can articulate yourself clearly uh, and you've got five, six, seven years of experience as a full stack developer, backend developers, front-end developers, mobile developers, uh, DevOps, uh, machine learning engineers, uh, or a data scientist, and you're like five, six, seven years of experience or above, uh, best time ever, you know, I, I, you're, and it's, it's going to continue to rise and get better, but companies are, you know, like I'm doing multiple events for large companies over the next, uh, uh, you know, few weeks and months, uh, they've centralized the location and they're focused on recruiting from those locations, uh, and, and so on. And, you know, you'll see a bunch of this stuff come out in, in the media over the next few weeks as well. Okay. Yeah, it's really interesting. So it's it's all like, like compared to, like the need that there are not enough people. That that's that that's the thing. Not enough tech talents in Canada yet. So yeah. I mean, it's, we, have, we have some great talent, but we have companies that are scaling very fast. Um, we also have a lot of companies that are looking at at Canada as a more attractive environment to recruit, uh, you know, developers as well. And so we've seen a lot of companies from the U.S. move their operations to Canada as well. Um, we've seen big names being announced over the last little while and, uh, you know, and uh, as well as, you know, so those companies come into a market, they dominate the recruitment because they have deeper pockets and they pull from the local market. 
Um, and also they pull, you know, people that are, um, you know, there was, there was a time when no one would touch anyone with, you know, like a work permit situation and so on and so forth. And now people are actively seeking out solutions like ours in order to help with that process. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the true. Like the bigger companies get the more attention, like the pe people have this idea that, uh, working with the bigger companies, let's say, let's say Google. Okay. That's, that's the best thing in the world. Yeah, but, yeah. Look, look, I mean, software developers right now, and, and they're the athletes of this era. You know, they have the ability to kind of like if they're playing at their top of their game and they're playing that, they can write their own tickets. You know, and so uh, this is a, this is an important thing to understand. And you know, if if you're looking to come to Canada, you're highly motivated to come to Canada, and you have those things that I chatted about, then I think it's important for you to to look at this seriously and be like, okay. You know, I can start. And the best part about Canada is it gives you a pathway to permanent residency. You know, and so what does that mean? Well, a pathway to permanent residency means that I could be in the U.S., I get my H-1B visa, and then I'm waiting for a green card application. And it's all a lottery system, and I have no idea when it's ever going to happen. I've heard stories that based on current backlogs, an Indian national has a 53-year wait for a green card. Or... I can come to Canada under a global talent stream, as an example, two-year closed work permit. My spouse or partner gets an open work permit. So, you know, they can work from day one. And, you know, uh, I, I get points for my uh, PR application and most people will apply for permanent residency after a year and become PRs. You know? Yeah. And it doesn't mean that they become PRs and leave. That's a situation. I mean, the average tenure in the software industry right now is 18 months anyways. Right? Okay. And so you have these people that, you know, whether you're local or, or you're not, you're, and we've had stories and incredible people. Like, you know, if you go onto our website, you'll see this incredible story about a, uh, about a young lady named Hafsa who, who emigrated from Pakistan. You know, she's become a PR. She's bought a place. Uh, she's been promoted. Uh, and she's still with the same company, you know, which was just acquired by Deloitte. So, you know, like the Deloitte Digital. So, you know, you think about that and you're like, wow, like that's, you know, the, you know, this is, this is a journey that's possible if you, because a lot of people set their goal, uh, like she did. And so many of the people that we work with, their goal was, I want to get to Canada. Um, you know, I've got, I want to work in the tech ecosystem there and things are booming in the tech ecosystem. And, you know, we've seen, a challenging year for a lot of different businesses, a lot of different verticals. And we've seen a very resilient uh, recovery across different, you know, verticals as well. We've seen, you know, businesses that have been directly impacted in for the positive um, through this, this crazy time that we've gone through, you know, we've, you've heard of Shopify's, uh, you know, crazy growth in the last 12 months. And, you know, it's really because everything got shifted to e-commerce and look at what's happening. Yeah, really interesting. Like, the, mm -hmm. like, the t t like everyone is, everything is getting digitalized. That, that's the thing. And the people who are online have the leverage and who are not online, they have to get online right now. Well, yes and no. You know, it, and this is, this is the opportunity where we're talking about making that impact and that impact portion is important. You know, I think we were very, very siloed throughout our, um, you know, verticals, like, hey, you guys are tech and you're financial and you're this and this. And then and it started to cross over and we're like, now we're fintech and now we're real prop tech and all this stuff. At the end of the day, we kept telling everyone to kind of come over to our boats. And, uh, you know, another friend of mine, Tanya Woods, um, who runs a, a project in kind, you know, she talks about that we need to go to everyone else's boat, you know, and find out from there. I'm sitting in Nova Scotia right now um, and there's this monster seafood industry that's traditionally run and, and it's, you know, two, two to $3 billion a year industry. And, you know, they know they're, they're making their changes as they adapt, but they're still doing $2.2 .2 billion worth of industry, uh, you know, uh, uh worth of business, yeah. uh, without having, you know, getting online, you know, they just say, oh, okay, we get online, we'll make more, you know, we'll do better, bigger things, but it's not like, you know, so it's, yeah, people need to get online, but there's also a responsibility from, from us to kind of bridge that gap as well. Okay. 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 Really interesting. Now the next thing is, so it's a, 
So what is global tech, like global skill strategy that you mentioned of, of the Canadian government, like the step that they took? And like, what, what is it? And are there any proxies for it? What do you mean by proxies? Proxies means, uh, so are there any other ways to come to Canada, like as, as easy as global skill strategy? Uh, okay. Well, the global skill strategy was, uh, you know, a strategy that was put together by the government. Um, uh, it, it involved a bunch of different um, avenues and, and uh, super clusters and funding and all that stuff as well. But underneath it, they had a program that was launched called the Global Talent Stream. And, uh, and so that is, you know, essentially a company in Canada gets approved to hire a foreign worker. Um, and what that approval process looks like is what they do um, is the company makes commitments to helping Canadians somehow. So either through upscaling or through, you know, um, you know, an increase in diversity and inclusion and uh, inclusion in the workplace, all these different, there's eight complementary benefits they pay. Once the company is approved, two week process, the candidate goes out and uh, takes that uh, number and applies for a closed work permit to the company, um, which, you know, could be another uh, two month process. It used to be, uh, used to be, you know, three, four week process on the candidate side. And now just with COVID and slowdowns, it, it takes a bit longer. Um, but there's other programs, immigration programs across Canada, um, including the express entry, uh, permanent residency programs, other work permit programs, pilots. Uh, there's the uh, programs like the Atlantic Immigration um, uh, nominee program. There's the Ontario nominee programs and so on. So there's definitely a ton of different avenues that are out there. Um, you know, once again, my focus and, you know, I keep my, you know, is like, if you, you know, fit these things, I have an opportunity probably for you. So great communication skills, uh, five, six, seven years plus of experience and, you know, startup scale up, um, type of, uh, backgrounds. Uh, you know, there's an opportunity uh, for you for sure. The, uh, you know, if you qualify through all those steps. In terms of other programs, you know, I'm aware of them, but, you know, there are some incredible immigration professionals that are available and, and out there. I'm happy to make an introduction to any of them um, first. I want to get them or, you know, you can probably, we probably get one of them onto your, uh, one in, uh, onto your podcast at some point. Yeah, sure. So we'll see what happens. Now, the thing is, like, how would the process look like if, if let's say, a candidate fits his career? So if someone listening to this podcast says that I have these qualifications, I am good at call, like, uh, communications, I have five, six, seven years more experience. And now, how would the process look like for, like, how can they contact you? And what would the process look like for them? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So you can go to our website. It's globalskills.io. And maybe you can share the link with your viewers. Um, there's a questionnaire in there um, on the candidate side, which is kind of our first filter. Uh, fill out that questionnaire and someone from our team will be in touch with you um, if you do qualify um, on, you know, kind of similar filters. Uh, usually what happens is we, you know, we, we take you through some technical vetting um, with some of our partners. Uh, we work with you on your resume to help standardize that, make it look like it's a uh, um, you know, more aligned in what re recruiters are really going to want to see. And then we start doing a matching and submission process towards um, can clients that we have that would be matching for you. Um, so pretty simple process, but uh, I, I would recommend that they go to globalskills.io uh, and go through that process there. Okay. So you take care of all the formalities, I mean, on the CV as well as the every other things that are required for them. So now other than skills, yeah, yeah other, than, other than personal skills, yeah. For sure. We work with them. Uh, yeah. We work with them to, to get that up and running. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, do, like, do you charge any anything for, like, let's say they apply? So, when, like, do you charge and how do you charge with them? Um, say that again. Sir. So, do you uh, like someone is apply applied? They have enough skills and skills and knowledge, so they apply. To, do you charge anything or? Uh, no, um, we do everything at our own expense currently. Uh, we're compensated by the companies that we um, have relationships with in Canada, and they cover off, uh, you know, things okay. like the immigration uh, expenses as well as the recruitment, uh, you know, uh, 
fees that would be associated with this program. So currently we do not charge. Um, whether or not that will change in the future, we'll see. Uh, but, you know, we we knew there was a lot of immigration scams out there. We knew there were a lot of fake job postings, phishing, all this stuff that happens, unfortunately. And um, so in the beginning, we didn't want to charge um, candidates because we didn't want them to, you know, see it. And so but we've just kind of held true to that um, so far. Um, like I said, I don't know if that will change in the future. But right now, at this point, we do not charge candidates. Okay. So they, if they, if if anyone is qualified, they can apply to you, like apply through your website, our Global Skills Correct. website, and then yep. they will manage everything. Yeah, okay, that's that's really amazing. Yeah, yeah. or you know we have events that happen um, as well. So like for example, we're having a huge hiring event here on April fifteenth, uh, with one of the largest enterprises in Canada in the um, uh, in the grocery and e-commerce space. So. Uh, that might be a, that might be a great opportunity for them to attend and learn and some of that. So like I said, once, if they're on our website, they can access all this information and go from there. Okay. So I think I'll, I'll add all the links that are necessary with this podcast as well. And yep. so how do you select a partner company? Like if you, if you want to work, like you see like these are the good company, they're scaling really quickly and then in tech talent. So how do you partner with them and do they directly reach out to you? Uh, it happens through both. A lot of our, a, a lot of who we work with today is via referral uh, because we really want to ensure that the experience works on both sides. So this is not a cheap way to outsource, you know, cheap labor or bring people in and under. These are world-class developers um, and they need an environment, um, you know, that and a culture that they're, it's going to be conducive to uh, all parties being completely happy. And so we really value um, companies that, you know, share values with us as well. Um, and so, you know, that's, it, it's important for them. We see it, we hear it in the conversations, you know, when we're talking to them, we hear things like, you know, although everyone's concerned about runway and cash flow and all those things, those are important parts of the business, you know, but through those conversations, when they're saying, hey, well, we're going to pay market rate, we want to do what we have to do as a company in order to kind of make this process better, more welcoming for them. When we hear those types of things, it's music to our ears. Yeah, okay. So you, you don't see only the money side of things, also the experience of the employee. So one thing I actually listened to that you you try to get the idea of what would a day of an employee would look like in that company. I actually heard from a video that you posted. So how do you do that? How do you make sure that uh, experience is right? That they experience? Look, all we can do is kind of keep in touch. We build a bit okay. of a community on the ground. It was a, it was a lot, you know, one, one of our challenges during COVID was we didn't get to meet up with everyone as much as we used to. Um, and so we've ran a, you know, we've run Zoom potluck uh, type of uh, conference calls here every couple months. Cheryl, who's our relocation specialist on our team, um, she's always kind of done an incredible job of, of community. Um, so we're just keeping touch. It's the best thing to do. These are people that we want to have. These are not, you know, these are relationships that we have. These are people that are coming to Canada. They're people that are entering into the tech ecosystem and, and so on and so forth. So this isn't, this isn't a transactional widget that we're just trying to sell and make money off of. Uh, you know, we're, you, you know, it's, it's important to us of what we've done and the impact that we're going to have, um, you know, years and years from now. Okay. Really interesting. So now uh, another thing, like there, there are the legal processes for for like for both the employees and employees, let's say. So how do you manage that, the legal side of things? Um, the legal side in terms of them working in the immigration and all of that stuff? Yeah. We've got immigration professionals that we work with. Uh, we have some people that are actually also in-house in our team and and uh, all of our contracts and all that stuff is always run through, you know, legal teams and stuff like that. Okay. Okay. Really interesting. So we are almost at the end. So like the last a few things. So, uh, so what's it, what vision do you see with Global Skills Hub? Like I said, for after where, where do you see Global Skills Hub after five or ten years? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I ask myself that you know question. I have that conversation with myself a lot, and and also with our team and stuff of like that. 
uh, you know, I believe that we're going to, we will be the preeminent global tech recruitment company um, in Canada and possibly across other countries as they adopt this model in the world. You know, our number one focus is to bring uh, people to Canada. And we had a goal, we set this uh, uh, big, hairy, audacious goal that we would help, you know, bring 10,000 families um, to Canada at one point. And, you know, I know our aspirations have, have gone larger than that. Um, so, you know, we continue to figure out ways on how we're going to bridge um, these relationships between the world's best talent and Canadian tech companies. Um, what that will look like in the future, uh, if, if the last year has been any indication, then we know that it's going to be amazing, but we don't know what it'll look like. Um, and so is this going to be all remote? Is it going to be everyone immigrates to Canada? Is it going to be they immigrate to Canada, but they settle in, you know, a certain spot, you know, and, and they will work remotely from there. Those are all questions that I think a lot of companies are having and we're having as well. Uh, all I know is that, um, you know, the future for Canada and Canadian tech looks bright. Our doors are open from an immigration standpoint. Uh, and we're highly focused as a country in, you know, driving skilled immigration into the, into the country. And, uh, and so we will be one of the, we will be the largest, if not uh, one of the largest players um, as that unfolds over the next uh, five and 10 years. Okay, that's a really great vision to have. So now, uh, so any last word that you want to share with the audience, like the listeners? Uh, no, I just wanted to, you know, really thank you for your time. Uh, I know I've got to jump off here uh, to get on onto my next call, but uh, I appreciate you setting this up and taking uh, and doing this. You know, for for any of your audience members, you know, you can feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn. We send out a lot of content. We're going to be doing a lot more content here. Um, for those of you that are tech workers, please get in contact with us at Global Skills Hub. And um, I'm just excited for you, Memo. I think you're doing an incredible job. And uh, you know, and, and as this moves forward for you and anything we can do to help support you uh, will be amazing. Yeah, sure. So uh, where exactly can our listeners find you online? So like where? Yes, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn uh, uh, but, uh, or at globalskills.io um, okay. is the best place to, to, to find me most days. <laughs> yeah, okay. So I'm like, so we'll add the links with the podcast description as well for the people who are listening is watching the video as well so like we'll have the links with the description or the caption and yeah thanks again for coming to the show i'm sure people in like enjoyed this time and learned a lot from it yeah so thanks for listeners who are listening and bye for that